Amen. Boy, uh, we all bleed the same, uh, but we're really, really divided, aren't we? There's so much that causes division among us. There's, even though we bleed the same, there is so much that uh, maybe the way we see things that affects us. And uh, so we've been in the series, Separation Between Church and Hate. And uh, man, we're so glad you're joining us here online and uh, here you guys in, purpose, in person and, and for this purpose to uh, figure out what is the posture that Jesus wants us to have in the midst of a crazy world of rage and outrage over a variety of different topics. How does, how does it look like to live and walk like Jesus in the midst of this crazy season? Uh, today, we're going to be talking about humility. We've covered uh, civility and dignity over the last couple of weeks. They've been great. If you missed them, catch them online. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about humility. And I figured we would have some fun for the first couple of minutes to uh, do some self-evaluation. Let's see where we're at on this thing. So uh, first question for you to do this evaluation. Uh, who here is like, man, I am really, 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 really good at being humble. I'm like maybe the humblest person in the room, like just one of those that's that, yeah, if you raise your hand or if you type, that's you online. That's not true. That was a trick question. All right, but let's have some fun. You can't really ask about humility in that way, right? I mean, you, if, if someone's like, are you humble? It's like, uh, if I answer you, does that make me not? Like, what is that? How do you, what do you do with that? So you gotta ask it and do some things in a different way. So let's, let's have some little fun with this. Uh, you guys remember this from a few years back. Uh, this was the, the dress that went uh, viral. Uh, is it blue and black or is it white and gold? So uh, for those out there that say uh, white and gold, let me raise, raise your hand. You see white and gold. What? Okay, and the blue and black, the people that are correct. The, wow, more white and gold. What is that? What are we seeing here? I mean, this is, so it's great. So uh, for the white and gold, uh, for you guys and the blue and black, like who thinks like the other ones like, crazy. Like, what do they see? Yes. Amen. Like, they're just like, yes, they are not. What do they see? I have no idea what they're seeing right now. Like, and, and see, what's crazy is depending on your level of confidence in that, uh, like, would determine how you may respond to someone. Like, for instance, my wife, me and my wife, we got into an argument, uh, discussion uh, a couple days ago over this one. This is the shoe. This is the one that went crazy. Okay. So, uh, who here sees the, uh, teal and gray, teal and gray people, teal and gray. Okay. We've got some teal and grays. All Who's our pink and white people? Pink and white people. See, goodness sakes alive. By the way, I said pink and white, so, huh, wife, I was right. More people voted for that one. Anyways, uh, but, but no, like, like how you respond to these type of things is, is based on your confidence. And when your confidence becomes arrogance that you, what you see is right, may determine how you respond and act to one another. Uh, like, so, so having fun, we can have fun and poke fun at each other going, why is it that you see that? Like, how is it possible that you see something completely different than me? I mean, we're looking at the same picture. And yet from your perspective, you're seeing something completely different. And there's a couple different ways we can respond to these scenarios. We can respond with arrogance or with humility. And we respond with pride. I know what I see. Or humility of going, help me, help me see what you're seeing. I, I don't see it. I don't understand. There's, there's a difference here. And do not, do not, do not online, do not respond to this one, okay? But some people look at this picture and they see, it is so clear. Why can't you see what I see? And a level of confidence becomes arrogance. And then there's no separation between church and hate. 
When your confidence of what you see is so clearly, it becomes arrogance that sometimes that becomes hateful. And you may respond with arrogant actions and you may respond with hate. You, you unfriend someone. You no longer invite them to dinner. You no longer want to be friends with them. You have snoozed them for a long time on social media. You have tried to distance yourself from people who see pictures differently than you. Or you just go after them and, and you say, what's wrong with you? Why is it you see this differently than me? Let's continue with this humility quiz. So uh, on this idea, what I want to do is I want to evaluate ours real quickly. I'm, I'm going to say some statements. And if this applies to you, it's going to tell you kind of where you're at on this pride to humility scale. So we're going to roll through these relatively quickly. But number one is uh, you tend to take everything personally. So, so you, you tend to say, like, when, when, when something happens that you disagree with, you take it personally. When someone says something about an improvement or whatever, you take it personally. Like, right now, you're going, I don't take it personally. You take it personally. Easy, okay? Easy. Calm down. Like, like so, so maybe you're just somebody who takes things personally. And these next two, similar, but they're a little bit different. Your feelings are the most important. You tend to be somebody who when something happens or the scenario comes to play, that your feelings are the most important in the room. The same with the statement number three, which is your desires are the most important in the room. Like where you're going to go eat should be where you want to go eat is what everyone else should want to go eat. What you want to listen on the radio should be what, what you want to listen on the radio. What movie you want to watch should be what your movie you want to watch. It shouldn't be what everybody else, everyone should align to your desires, Number four, you, you always think the other person needs to apologize or change. Every time you're in an argument, every time there's a scenario, every time there's a dispute, it is going, well, even in your apologies, you ever have those? In your apologies, look, I'm sorry for the fact that I threw that against the wall, but if you didn't act like that or say that, then I wouldn't have responded that way, right? These, these weak apologies of, of going, well, I'm sorry I said that, but you shouldn't have blame. You just push Blame on one another. Number five, you tend to be negative and critical instead of positive and grateful. You complain, you complain so much and so often that people want to avoid you sometimes. Uh, there's, there's friends that just have to distance themselves from you. They're just going, man, you're always so negative. It's just, man, my, my negative uh, bucket is full. I just can't take anymore. And, and this could be in the case with your spouse, why your spouse wants to be in the other room or, or wants to be in the garage or wants to be in the kitchen. Like they just want to be away from you because they just can't handle any more negativity. And this one's probably the most helpful. Number six, you keep on thinking of other people who needs to hear this. So as I was sharing through these, you're going, I know somebody needs to hear this. I, I'm sure glad they came with me today and you're elbowing and you're going, boy, I can't wait to get home and send this to this person because they really need to hear this, right? If that was you, then maybe you need to hear this message too because it is through the lens of somebody else needs to hear this. And, and, and for us, we wanna look at biblical humility. So, so for us, that, that should help us evaluate where we are on the pride and humility scale. Like if these things are applying to our lives, then this is not living like Christ. And being a Christian is being like Christ and wanting to follow him and following his footsteps. And so 
When we hear this term, biblical humility, this is the, the actual breakdown of what that means. It means being a humble, having a, a humble opinion of oneself. So your, your view of yourself is, is lowly. Like, like it's, it's not like a discrediting type of I'm worthless. It's just that you see other people as valuable. A deep sense of one's moral littleness. Like you realize that you are, you are highly aware of your sin. You are highly aware of the fact that you are a sinner in need of a savior. You are very familiar with the fact that you have made some bad choices. And so you see things and see others through a lens of who am I to say because I am no better. But like that, that is a level of humility. Another way to phrase it, maybe a more memorable statement Humility says, nothing and no one is beneath me. Nothing and no one is beneath me. Let's say this together. Nothing and no one is beneath me. And it's this idea of that there is no task, there is no job, there's no help that's needed around the house. There's nothing needed at your job. There's nothing that is needed here at the church. There's nothing needed in the community that is beneath you, that is below your dignity. Your superiority is not in play in this. You are willing to do and serve, and no one is beneath you. There is no group. There is no group of people. There is no liberal areas. There is no neo-Nazis. There is no people who have chosen to uh, have, have abortion. There is no pro-life or pro-choice that they're beneath me. You are looking through the lens of there is no one beneath me. That's biblical humility. And maybe we realize through all this that you know, pride has crept in and has taken over and, and areas of your life and you're just going, man, I've... I've been struggling with pride. I know it. I can feel it within the hate of my heart. I can feel it with the way I walk through life. And you're just going, man, I, I want to live differently. I want to go after things differently. And maybe now you're going, what does it look like? How can I even change this? It's so built into my character and who I've been. What can I do to change? And I believe God's going to show us three things in the Bible that's going to address this issue. Three things I want to take you through today that I believe that if you can just get through your soul, maybe it could change something with you. And I mean it with the most loving tone. For a lot of us, we need to get over ourselves. We just got to get over ourselves. We got to get over this, this thought of us being the only important person in the room. That the things are too, it's too degrading for you to do. That there are some things you're not willing to do. We got to get over ourselves. We got to get our towel and we got to get going. I'll explain this. We're going, to do two, we're going to look at two different passages together. Uh, one is in Philippians. The other one is going to be in John. But what we're going to look at here together is, is there was a gathering of church folk, just like us, that was in Philippi. And this, this church of Philippi was, was doing some good things. They were, they were really trying to go after and live life in the right way. They were trying to follow Jesus, but there was something that crept in that caused problems. And it was pride. And so Paul was wanting to talk to this church and going, hey, listen, guys. Um, there, you've been doing great things. I want to encourage you on that. But, but there's a big thing here. We've got to shift the way we treat and look at other people. There's another model we need to follow. And that is in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. So Philippians 2, 3 through 8, I wanted to read this together and then we're going to break it down together. So um, let, let, me, let me break this down. This is New Living Translation here. It says, don't be selfish. Paul was saying, hey, listen, church folk, don't, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't try to make yourself look awesome. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. 
You gotta, in your mind, you gotta see people as better than you. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude. He continues, though also translated because he was God, like because Jesus was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Like he's saying, listen, he had divine privileges. He had earned himself by being God the right to not do some medial tasks, right? He had a degree that no one else had. He had the prestige that no one else had. He had the money that no one else had. He had all that he wanted to have. And yet, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Do you see it? Humble, humble, humble. Follow Christ. Look at others better than yourself. And that's where I get this first statement. If I could summarize this, it would just be get over yourself. I know that seems harsh, but I'm telling you, I love you. You gotta get over yourself. Like, I, I know that's not what the world says. Right now, there's 50,000 books you can get on Amazon right now. And like a lot of them you can get in two days with free shipping through Prime. So like, like there's, that could happen. But there's 50,000 books right now on self-empowerment that you are important and you are the best and you are awesome. And you can get 50,000 books right now on that topic and you can go for it. All right, and that, that is, that's where you allow pride to creep in where you really think that you're the most important person in the room. Now, if we look at just this first section here, it was don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, that you need to be humble. Yeah, think of others better than yourself. You don't, Look out for your own interests, but you gotta take an interest in others. You gotta, you gotta get over yourself. Um, this was hilarious. A, a poll uh, that I looked up uh, was over thousands and thousands of men and women uh, that was on this uh, dating website um, that, was, uh, that, that was surveying kind of their folks. And they were trying to see if this, what, how people viewed themselves. It was kind of a self-evaluation test, just like what we did there. And it was a one-question test that they sent out to thousands of people, just like me and you. They sent out and said, okay, let's see what the people think of themselves. And a simple question was, are you a genius? That's it. Are you a genius? Two out of five men was like, look, if you're going to push me in a corner, all right, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I didn't want to say it, but, but if, if you're going to push me in a corner, yeah, yeah, I'm a genius, all right? So two out of five, the way the article puts it is, is about one out of every thousand people are like on the verge of like the genius or working towards becoming a genius. And they were like, the article was like, two in five men think they're one in a thousand because that's, that's just the way we view ourselves. I mean, listen, it, there's just a reality among us. It's like, I don't know, maybe it was because it was a dating website. They're just like, hey, maybe she thinks I'm a genius. Maybe that'd be good. Like, I, I don't know what the purpose of that was behind why they said that, but two in five guys was like, yeah, I'm pretty smart. I'm a genius. I mean, what can I say? All right, right now, uh, ladies, listen, it was three out of 10 of you. So, I mean, it was better, but come on. Like, there's still a level in which we, we think we're awesome. I mean, we're just like, hey, I'm 
pretty great. Yeah, so you should date me. Like, this is, I'm a genius. I, it was so amazing. That, I mean, Forbes, everybody grabbed a hold of these stats. They were like, what has happened to American culture? Like, why is it that we all think we're geniuses? Why is it that we think we're the best? Why do we think that we are that special? Pride. Pride. It's just this ability to think the world revolves around us. It's this this place and this spot in which we really think more of ourselves than what we should. We just think we're geniuses walking around here. And, and I love you. But you gotta get over yourself. You really do. Because there's something much more important to go after. And the rest of that Philippians passage that leads us to our next point was talking about Jesus. And he was saying, look, you you gotta have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to, but there's, there's a different attitude that Christ had. I mean, instead of, of having his divine privileges, the things in which he earned, and so many of us, if you think about it, we, we live in, I earned that. Like we live in a world where it's like, I work nine to five, I earn that paycheck. Like I, I did these good deeds, therefore I earned this. There's just this reality that we walk around and I earn this mode. And they're saying that if anybody earned anything, it would be Jesus, and that wasn't his attitude. That wasn't the way that Jesus saw things. Instead, he took the position of a humble slave when he was born as a human being. You gotta have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And, and this passage that Paul was referring to and talking about the humility of Jesus was as a nod and a reflection back to Jesus' actual actions in John 13. So this is the second passage. We, we gotta get over ourselves, but there's something else we need to get going on. And, and there's something else we need to learn from Jesus here. And it's in John 13, that Jesus is, this is just a story of Jesus is before he is gonna be crucified. This is him walking with his disciples. 2,000 years ago, he had these 12 guys that he was, man, spending three years with just pouring into them and loving on them and teaching them and helping them understand and grow to, to become the, the people who are gonna be on mission for him after he was died and resurrected. And so here he was teaching them a very valuable lesson and something for all of us to model. See, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Again, it was affirming that, that Jesus knew exactly who Jesus was, that he was, though God, because he was God, he didn't chase after those things, but he knew he had authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. He knew where he was going. He knew his prestige. He knew what he deserved. But knowing that, so he got up from the table, he took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured a water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. Jesus, fully knowing what he deserved, instead got up and grabbed a towel. Um, I, I like joking about marriage because marriage has taught me so much. Um, but there's, there's things in marriage that, that I, I, man, just continue to learn and grow. But this was an early lesson that I had learned. Um, so, so here, uh, I have something in my hand. And I invite you online to go ahead and type it in as well. But I'm going to ask for some help, another quiz opportunity for us. Um, what is this that I hold in my hand? I want you just to shout it out. Type it in if you're online. What, what, what do I hold in my hand right now? Hand towel, okay, all right. Um, was anybody said a towel? I think somebody said a towel. Maybe a washcloth, I heard washcloth. You are all wrong. 
wrong you are. You are wrong, flat out wrong. You see things the wrong way. This is a decorative artifact. This is to be placed in and around an area in which it seems like the purpose of it is to wipe your nasty hands on after you wash them clean with soap. But no, no. This is a decorative artifact. This is to be placed in and around an area to be viewed and appreciated. All right, now, I know it's made of cotton and it's made to absorb. I know that it's, it's made like with this certain texture so that way you can wash and dry it and that it would still maintain its color. But no, no, this is a decorative artifact. I didn't know that, but now I do. <laughs> See, what I grew up with, I grew up with different sized towels. We had big towels and we had little towels, but our towels did everything. And I mean everything in my household. Okay, these towels could wipe up the water that was from the overflow toilet. These towels could, could wipe up after a dog made a mess, after some vomit took place. There, these towels could do anything. These towels would help you wipe off your oily hands from change the oil in your car. These towels would wipe off your jean, your grass-covered jeans. These towels that I grew up with could do it all. And by the way, yes, they would also dry you off after you got out of the shower. Yes, these, and they would also exfoliate you because they wore the mess out of you. I mean, the towels that I had growing up, you could just about see through because you have worn them down for so long in so many ways. And, And so I grew up thinking, that's what a towel was used for. And you could even wipe your mouth after you brushed your nasty teeth with it. You do that in my household, it, there is things you're gonna pay. Like there, you do not wipe your nasty mouth on my decorative artifact. Like that's, that's not what you do. That is not what you do in the hay house. And by the way, I don't even know how to fold it. You gotta fold it in like some different, anyways. So that, that wasn't the way I grew up, but I learned. I learned. And it got me thinking that if, if these towels were to best define your life for Jesus, how many of us, we look good, right? We still puffy and clean. We still, like, we, we still, like, we, we, we still got the embroidery that, like, shines in the light. Like, we, we look good. We know where we're supposed to be. We sit in the right position at the right place at the right time, right? We, we are the perfect model of what a towel should look like, right? We, we've got our stuff together. We are folded right and tight. We look good. It's what we do, and we know it. And then you got the other one, that man, it's no problem taking that thing and just wiping up the mess, cleaning it up. You take that bad boy, you throw it in the back of your car, you know, it'll dry eventually. You come back out and wipe your car back down again. You know, you may or may not wash it before you wipe your face off. Like, like it, if, if, if you and your life represented by a towel, a towel that Jesus would use, would Jesus look at you and go, man, I can use him and her for anything. There isn't a job that he wouldn't get in a mess with me on. There's nothing he could ask me to do that I could not use that Christian. Decorative towel. And you got your dirty towels. I believe that what Jesus was showing here is that for a lot of us Christians, 
without realizing it, we can look really good. We can know the right answers. We can be at the right place at the right time. But nearly useless when it comes to serving others. Nearly useless. That's not the way Jesus saw a towel. I don't think that's the way he sees Christians that are supposed to be following him. Verse 12, as we continue in John, said that after Jesus washed their feet, he, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Like they, when he washed their feet, this, this was the lowest level position out there. This was, this was the position that was of the, the lowest level servant in the most menial job of nat- the nasty work of wiping off dirty feet. And, and this is what he was doing. He said, do you understand what I was doing by doing that? You, you call me teacher and Lord. And his point behind this is going, you're saying you were wanting to learn and follow me. You're wanting to be my disciple? You call me this? That's right, because that's what I am. I'm trying to teach you something. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Go, go be this. Go be that person with talent that can be used. Go, go be that. Like, you got, you got to get over yourself. You got to get your towel. And the last point, you got to get going. You gotta go. Like, it, like it's, it's, it's good that you are, have grown in your knowledge. It's good that you are growing and going to church. It is, it is good that you're out there trying to, but you gotta get going on your serving. Like you gotta get going. I know it's been tough in the pandemic. I know things are challenging and things are, are, are man, how do we do this? But you gotta get creative. You gotta, you gotta go see other people as more valuable than yourself. We've got to be a church that humbly serves and follows Jesus. Why? Because we claim to be Jesus followers. If we wanna follow Jesus, then we ought to follow Jesus. <laughs> and we ought to do as he showed us to do and, and guide us to live. You know, humility isn't something you just go after. It's not like, all right, today I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna be humble today. Like, no, humility is what people say about others who serve and love others greater than themselves, who is not after it for prestige or to get a pat on the back, who's not after this thing in order to to get something back because they're awesome and they wanna earn something. It is service in which no one knows about. It's service what we don't, it, like those people today, we were, I was talking to Jonathan, I was like, hey, do you wanna give a shout out to some of these people that, that serve behind the scenes? And, and we talked to several of them and they were like, no. <laughs> like, no, we don't, we don't want you to even mention our name because they're not after it for that. And, and it's so beautiful that that is true. And, and I think it's this, the church looks more like Christ when we were giving away rather than demanding our way. The church looks more like Christ when we are giving away rather than demanding our way. We live in this culture wars Christianity that, that says that we need to fight for our right. We need to fight everyone to get ours. Now, I think we look more like Christ when we are more surrendered 
and what we're giving away. Now, I'm not saying there's some things that's not worth fighting for. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there's some things we need to stand for. No, I'm not saying that. But, but, but it's, it's this idea. If, if we're busier fighting for our rights as Christians, than fighting for the least, the last, the lost, and the left outs in our community, maybe we're fighting the wrong fight. Maybe we're following the wrong person. Because Jesus was all about the least, the last, the lost, and the left outs. That's, that's what Jesus was after. That's what he did. That's what he ran after. That's what he chased after. And if, if we're not modeling that, where the majority of what we're after and what we're fighting for is for those that are lost and left out, if we're not serving in some way, some capacity, if we're not getting our hands dirty, we gotta ask ourselves, which towel are we? Um, one of my favorite parts of this story of uh, Jesus and washing feet is, um, is, is what's implied in that passage. And, and it's, it's because as Jesus was, was on his knees uh, washing feet and he was going around the room, you know, he was, he was lowering himself and he was getting on his knees and he was, he was going and he was, he was wiping feet and he had a basin jar of water and he's going around, he's wiping feet, wiping feet. And I, I imagine he's going around in a circle being efficient and, and then he gets to this place in which he's before these feet and he recognizes these feet because he's been with them for three years. He, he sees these feet and he's going, man, I know these feet. And for Jesus, he's going, I remember in his mother's womb when these feet were, were made and I, and I made that happen. I, I remember being there when, when he was, was, was birthed and I remember him uh, crying as a baby at, at Jesus and knowing of all things is seeing this person. And, and so he gets to these feet and he's going, man, I remember these feet when they were, were made and as they walked and then, then they walked with me for three years and these same feet after I'm done washing them is going to walk out of here and betray me because this is Judas's feet. And imagine being the, the, the maker of all things, the one in the beginning, the first and the last. Like this is, this is God in the flesh who has made and designed this human being who has, has invested in him and, and has allowed him to breathe his next breath. And this Jesus is serving his feet and washing his feet and, and, and sitting there wiping him down with love, knowing full well that this Judas is going to betray him that he is wiping his feet and loving on him and showing him love despite fully knowing what he's getting ready to do. Knowing that loving him is not going to change his mind, knowing that loving him is not going to make him do any reciprocity towards Jesus, knowing that loving him is not going to in any way change the course of action, but just loving him because that's who Jesus is, that's what Jesus does because he loves you even despite the fact you spit on him. And for us to sit here and go at times that I'm not going to serve this person, I'm not going to love this person because I disagree with them, I don't think it's going to change their mind, I don't think it's going to help them, is not living like Jesus because Jesus washed the feet of Judas. And for him, he went, no, I wash your feet because I love you. I love you. And I don't know, I know, I know it's not going to change your mind. But that doesn't change how I feel about you. That doesn't change how I love you. And it doesn't change how I serve you. And how much of our lives is determined based on whether we think they're going to be receptive or not. Whether they think they're going to accept your message or not. I had to learn that the hard way. 
uh, about a year ago as part of my master's program, um, I had a uh, opportunity to choose where I wanted to go and how I wanted to serve um, and how I wanted to learn and do a, uh, a finals paper. And uh, I had to go out in this action. And so uh, I was taking a class called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And so I had the chance to read a large portion of the Quran and the Hadith of Bukhari and, and some Confucius. And, and I got to, a chance to read a lot of that to understand kind of what they see and try to understand from their perspective what, what's going on. And so I, I decided to go to the, uh, the mosque downtown Louisville. So this is this Islamic uh, mosque um, that's off a of river road. Um, and so I decided to go there and attend one of their um, uh, services, one of their prayer gatherings. And, um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I was, I was a little bit uh, uneasy it wasn't normal for me. It's not something I do. Um, and so I, I know where I stand. I know the conversation may happen. And I know I'm gonna tell them I'm a Christian. And I know some of the things have been reported about the way they view Christians. And I, I learned and gathered a lot of information before going there. But I decided to go. And, and, and here's a picture of them praying and, and kind of having their, their session. Unfortunately, got cropped, but there's a... Uh, there's a gentleman right here in this corner. It's, it's hard to see, um, but he's standing in the back corner and he was the only other person that, if I was honest, looked like me, um, dressed like me, um, only one other person in the room. And, and, and what happened was I got a chance to meet with the imam. He's the religious leader there. And so um, after the service was there, I, I had had some folded chairs that they put out for the, the people that were visiting. Um, and so I was sitting in the back and... Um, and so sitting in that chair, watching and taking notes of everything that was going on, they got finished. And the imam, the, the, the religious leader, came up to me, kind of like the lead pastor for them, uh, came up to me and was like, uh, hey, how are you? Um, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I was, like, I was like, hey, man, as part of my class, um, I'm, I'm a Christian I'm a pastor, actually, in South Louisville, but I, I want to come and evaluate and learn what you guys do and about. Uh, did you have some time we could chat? And, and he so graciously gave me about 10, 15 minutes to chat and and for me, I was, I mean, I was ready. So like I came in, I was gonna do it with a, a good spirit and tone, but I was asking questions and, hey, what about Jesus on this? And what, what are your guys' thoughts and beliefs on this? I know most of the answers for these things, but it was help trying to guide the conversation to plant a seed of, of maybe there's more to Jesus than what you think. And uh, while I'm doing that, and every time I'm trying a good right left hook on a good question or something, you know, he's, he's reflecting and bouncing it off. And, and there's this guy in the corner that keeps on clanging these metal chairs. And I'm just like, he just clang and he's putting away, clang, putting away. And I looked over and it's that same guy. It was the same guy that looked like me. He was the only other Caucasian guy in the room. And, and he was cleaning up all these chairs. And I, I asked the mom, I said, hey man, what's, what's his story? Why is he here? He said, uh, he's, he's like you. And uh, he's a Christian. Um, he was like, but, but he's, he's a really good guy and, and he uh, loves our kids and he comes here often just to help us clean up and um, he helps us kind of in the community when we do some service projects and uh, he's, he's just a friend. And in the moment I was going, hmm. I think it was more like this than this. Two Christians in the room, one that just wanted to debate and prove I was right. The other one wants them to know Jesus too. 
but loves them, knows their kids' names, buys gifts for them, cares about them. It, it made me realize that it's, it's really hard to hate when you're humble. It's hard to hate when you're humble. It's, it's, just, it's just hard to hate when you're humble. And when you get over yourself and you grab your towel and you get going and serving and loving on people, that unnamed guy in the corner made me realize that day that for me, it's, it's time to serve. I, I need to serve people, not just try to debate them and win an argument because that's what Jesus did. My challenge for you today as we come to a close is um, we have opportunities. It's my job as the outreach minister at OCC to uh, help you uh, go from this to this. If you haven't served in a while, we have a lot of opportunities, both on campus and in the community that we've been gathering for you. I'm gonna challenge you to do this. I'm gonna challenge you to go ahead and grab your phones. The next slide. And I'm gonna challenge you to text serve to 502-289-1387. By doing this, um, you're gonna receive a link that's gonna give you the opportunity to um, sign up to have a conversation. Conversation with me or one of the other ministers is simply is, is us having a conversation about, hey, what does it look like for you to serve here at OCC? What does it look like for you to maybe serve in the community? Let's have a conversation about what stirs your affections for Jesus. And maybe, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe, let's have a conversation about what God's doing in your life. Because we've got opportunities in this church for ushering, greeting, helping pack and deliver Thanksgiving baskets in the next week or two. We got food pantry help, children's ministry, student ministry, and more. We got opportunities in the community that I wanna give you a heads up on. We're gonna have three weekends in December. We have opportunities for over 60 volunteers to go and help us serve and love and give hope to families in West Louisville. Working with Hand in Hand Ministries, we were gonna go into their homes. We were gonna get our hands dirty. We were going to help rehab some of these homes, help fix up some of these homes and let them know that we love them. We care about them and give them some hope. That's gonna happen three weekends in December. If you're interested in that, just text serve. Text serve to 502-289-1387. I'll get you a part of that. We've got other opportunities at Southern High School to be a mentor and to lead classes and to help some of their kids have hope. There are a lot of opportunities for you and I wanna just challenge you. If you haven't served, if you hadn't got your hands dirty, follow Jesus and let me help you do it. Don't be a decorative towel but be a towel that Jesus uses. In Mark 10, 45, it says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray together. God, I wanna thank you for uh, giving us a model that's hard to, to do, and, um, but Lord, one that's worth following and going after. God, I, I pray for those in this room that have just been wrestling with, man, which towel do I represent? Lord, am I, am I somebody who is chasing after serving others or am I somebody who is more interested in debating others? God, give us some opportunities to love on those that we disagree with. And Lord, I know there's an election and there's a lot of turmoil, but God, I pray that we would be the church 
that separates from, our, from the hate in the world and that we are a church that humbly serves. God is Lord and may we be a church that loves you and serves you and, and gives it all to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.